0: You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, hey, we have a, a very special, familiar guest with us today. He's a part of our teaching team. Uh, he's a part of, you know, Pastor Ryan's, uh, he's got a team of, of just wise counsel that uh, just helps speak into his life, and uh, we're always excited to have this good-looking man with us. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, help us uh, join me welcoming Pastor Bob Lame. He's going to bring the message for us today. Man, Good looking, huh? Okay, man. You, you, you're crazy, man. you crazy. Hey, so it's good to be here. And uh, I'm just especially thankful for uh, the, those that have joined in the splash zone, you know, because, um, you know, it's so good to have you. Ryan, good to have you here and all that kind of stuff. Hey, I've got good friends here, uh, Paul and Peyton. You know, they're good friends and they're here and, and uh, you'll be sure to greet them, give them a North Valley greeting, you know, afterward and stuff. So, um, you know, he's checking up to see if uh, I know what I'm talking about, which... I don't. So, here we go. It is such a joy to be here, but I say this often when I am here, and that is simply this. We get in a routine when we come to church, and so this is my kind of get, get us started here. We get in a routine, and routines are really good. Okay, It's good to have the routine. One of the problems with a routine is, here it is, another Sunday, another set of worship, another teaching. And it just kind of becomes a bit of a drone sometimes. Can I suggest, and I want to pray again right now, but can I suggest that right now all of you, including myself, are saying to the Lord, God, what do you have for me today? What is the message you have for me today that's going to change my life? You know, we think, change my life. We're always thinking these big quantum seismic changes. But you know, there are little things that God wants to whittle away or add to your life to make you the kind of man or woman that he designed you to be. And so that's why we sing worship, because it's in the process of that that things happen. That's why we study God's word, because in the process of studying it, that's how it happens. So would you, I want to invite you again to pray as we ask God to do some seismic or small changes in our life today. Okay, will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we come before you very humbly because we recognize that apart from you, we can do nothing. So today, open up our hearts and our minds, teach us some stuff today that's going to make a change. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, have you ever listened to somebody maybe on the radio and you've heard them or, or they've been on TV, but you haven't watched the screen? You'll get this idea of what that person looks like. And then you see them in real life and it is absolutely, totally different than who you thought. You know, Now, I could give you all sorts of you know, people. One that comes to mind is, is one of my favorite authors is a guy named Malcolm Gladwell. And he wrote a book called... David and Goliath, okay? And oh, it's powerful because it's dealing with social issues and dealing with David and Goliath. And I'm thinking, this guy is a monster to be able to, to talk so articulately. And then I saw him. And he's this itty bitty guy, you know, and he's a kind of scrawny guy. And something. And absolutely blew me away. That's Malcolm Gladwell, this guy talking about David and Goliath? Yeah. Well, we're going to look at a word that in your mind, and maybe it was in my mind as well, we had this idea of, I know what that is already. But we're going to look at a biblical view of a word that you already know. And I think it may blow your mind. It blew mine. And it is the word, you ready for it? Here we go. Servant. Duh. You know, there's always about nine or ten things that every pastor, Ryan's probably preached on being a servant a million times. I already know what a servant is. Can I suggest that as we unpack the scriptures today, perhaps we're going to get an idea of true servanthood in a new way, and it's not necessarily going to look like a servant that you've already got in your mind. The passage we're going to look at is found in John, John 13. And by the way, John 13 is my favorite, I say that every time, my favorite of all passages. You know why? Because what we have is an eyewitness to what is going on literally hours before Jesus goes to the cross. I mean, it is like you're in the boat with George Washington going across the Potomac and and you get what's going on in the boat and the conversations. That's what John records. And these are basically last kind of words. And I've been, I was a police chaplain for 26 years and it happened every once in a while where I'd go onto a scene where somebody was passing away. And they'd say some things. And when they said some things there, they really carried some heavy weight. So that's what we're going to look at. And we're going to look at, 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 at how John unpacks this, this, this whole thing. Are you ready? If you're taking notes, the first thing in terms of this idea of what a true servant is, is this. True servants love those they serve. Oh, man, this is a yeah, duh, you know, kind of thing, you know, right? Well, maybe not. They love the Lord. You love the Lord perhaps, but they've taken that love for God and they have somehow translated it into a love for individuals, for people. And that was the attitude of Jesus in John chapter 13, verse one. And this is what it says. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. Now, some of you might have a translation which actually is a very good, robust translation of that last portion. And some of you might see it like this because it's a good translation where he says at the end, he showed them. The full extent of his love. Don't, don't you love this? He's going to show them the full extent of his love by the way he serves them. How did he best illustrate and communicate you know, his love for the disciples? It, it wasn't all the miracles that he did because he did a bunch of them, Right? And it wasn't even when he went up from the mountain, you know, and, and when he preached the, the greatest sermon ever preached. It wasn't that. It's when he washed their feet and hours later went to the cross. That's how he demonstrated his love for them. Now this may sound incredibly simple, but for a lot of people, that is not the picture of a servant. And even all of us in this room, we love this idea of saying, "Man, yeah, I'm a servant of God, until somebody in this room treats you like a servant." And we don't like it so much. And frankly, most people who would call themselves servants, even outside of church world don't do it because they love the people. Now, this is huggy Magruji here. When they think of a servant, they don't think of someone who loves. They think of somebody who does something. You ready for this? Because they have to. They look at it because they're focused on the duty, the obligation. Now, even a person who, again, isn't part of the church If they were going to talk to you about motivation of why we do certain kind of things, and all of us intuitively know this, down here at the bottom is we do things because we have to. We do it because of duty. We do it because of obligation. We do it because of duress. But as you move up the scale, at the top of the food chain, is we do it because we love them. That's where Jesus was always moving, this direction. Without love, service is merely duty. That's all it is. Now, there was a time, I think you guys know I've been to India five times. Every time I'm there, even though they say in India that there are no class systems anymore, there certainly are. There certainly are. And there are some people that do things just because they have to. And listen to this, come on, lean in here. It happens at work for you guys, it happens in your family. I'm so tired of being a mother sometimes. I'm so tired. I love this. I've got 14 grandkids. I'm so tired. Of driving my kids to soccer games. Okay, (laughs) I know that doesn't hit a nerve. Duty tends to get old after a while. And listen to this the world was never changed by someone who was just doing their duty. The world is changed by true servants. The kind of servants that Jesus is talking about. Servants who love, actually love the people that they're serving. Duty is is drudgery, but serving as God has outlined it is pure joy. And it's love that makes the difference. By the way, without love, service almost always sours into bitterness have you ever hung with anybody that you just they're just plain bitter i'm doing it but i sure don't want to you've heard the old illustration you know of of, of, of a father you know talking to his son you know sit down no i'm not going to sit down sit down no i'm not going to sit down sit down he finally reluctantly sits down and the kid says i'm sitting down on the outside but I'm standing up on the inside. (laughs) Ever had that experience? We all have. That's what some people think about service. It gets more and more bitter. Service sometimes is hard, don't get me wrong. Serving people sometimes is difficult. Serving people means rolling up your sleeves. But if you're bitter, it's time to kind of cycle back and say, I wonder... What might be wrong? In fact, as we're talking about true servants love those they serve. Here's a question for you. Ask yourself, who in my life do I really need to start serving again? I don't have to say anything. you you already know who that person is. You, you do. I do. Somebody just kind of cut it off for whatever reason. You know, they did me wrong. They don't deserve me. We all do that. Who is it in your life? Jesus goes on and gives kind of an example. Starting in verse 2, he says this. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he'd come from God and that he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, he wrapped a towel around his waist. What are servants like? Well, true servants really love those they're serving, but secondly, servants are strong. I don't know what your idea of a servant is, you know, but this idea of a servant is strong, pow, blows my mind. That's exactly the opposite of what many people think. Many people think servants are the ones who are taken advantage of. They're weak. I think of people who are oppressed. Don't get me long in some places, that's absolutely true. But Jesus says, I want to show you a different kind of servant, the kind of servant, listen, who does it by choice. I'm going to lean into this. I'm going to choose to serve you. I'm going to choose that. And that is a very strong position. It takes strength to be that kind of servant. It takes strength of of faith, it takes strength of character, and it takes strength of mind. Don't ever mistake equating servanthood with weakness. Jesus was a servant. He illustrates it here, and he, in my opinion, was the strongest one who ever walked on the face of this planet. It takes greater strength to be a servant than to rule an empire. The strength of character. It's what's inside that really counts. And if you read these verses carefully, it basically shows us where Jesus' strength came from. In verse 1, Jesus knew that his time had come. I love this. You know, all through the life of Jesus, he's constantly telling people, hey, my time hasn't come yet. <laughs> time hadn't come you know you know from the very beginning you know he, he's, he's at the wedding of Cana you know and his mom comes up hey they're out of wine you know kind of deal you know, Do you remember? first of all he says woman boy I'll tell you if I'd said that to my mom I'd be in deep weeds but anyway he says woman you know <laughs> he said what do I have to do all this and basically say my time hasn't come yet my time hasn't come finally he's hours away from the cross no, my time has come He knew that he was leaving this world to go to the Father. Secondly, he knew, verse 3, that the Father had put all things under his power. And that word power is used in a duplicit way. It means both power and it means authority. And the third thing is he knew that he'd come from God and that he was returning to God. So look at this. If I look at those things and unpack it, that tells me that Jesus had a strong direction. A strong direction. That's why he was strong. He knew. He knew it was time to leave. By the way, do you know it is much easier to serve people when you know where you're going? You know what you're part of. There's a camaraderie. It happens right here in North Valley. I love rubbing shoulders with people who volunteer here because they're part of a movement. You want to know what really spread Christianity throughout the book of Acts? Holy Spirit, for sure. But there was this sense of movement. Don't ever reduce what happened in the book of Acts to anything less than a movement of God through the people. And when you hang with people like that, you love to rub shoulders with them. (laughs) And part of this, You see that when you're playing football. You see that when you're playing baseball. There's a momentum that can happen. Strong direction. The second thing, he had a strong authority. You know, strong authority. And that helps to be a better servant. Now you're thinking, that'd be Nice. All things under his power. He's God, for goodness sakes. Things would be a lot easier if I was God. Things would be a lot easier if you were God. Everything's under Jesus' power. Everything's going to work out just like you want it, right? Well, if you cycle in just a few verses, you'll find that Jesus goes from the upper room here to a garden. The Garden of Gethsemane. And here's Jesus, who has all authority, all power. And he says to the Father, Hey, if there's any way you can take this cup, if any way, I don't have to die for everybody. Remember, Jesus is fully man, fully God. One person. The second person of the Trinity. He said, if there's any way, I'm okay with it, Father. Nevertheless, what? Not my will, but what? Your will be done. So here's the deal. We may not have that kind of authority, but listen to this. You ready for it? We know who's in control of every situation. Right? Yeah. We know that. In those times of life when you feel like you can't serve, you need to remind yourself, wait a minute, who's in control? God controls the situation. God controls the circumstances. And it takes strength. Here's the third thing that Jesus had, and it was strength of identity. Strength of identity. It takes strength of direction, strength of authority, but strength of identity. Jesus knew where he'd come from, and Jesus knew where he was going. You know that there were people that were constantly telling Jesus who he was? Yeah, that's true. He would say, I'm God. John chapter 10, great place to camp for a while. In John chapter 10, he says this incredible thing about sheep, My sheep hear my voice. They know me. They know the Father. And then he says at the end of verse 30, he says, and I and the Father are one. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. All the Pharisees, they picked up stones. And Jesus says, wait, 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 wait. For what good work are you going to stone me? And they say, for no good work. We're gonna stone you because you're equating yourself with God. And by the way, if that's not what he intended, all Jesus would have had to do was say, Wait, guys, I didn't mean it. You misunderstood me. No, no. He affirmed it. He affirmed who he was. The Pharisees tried to tell him he wasn't God. And Jesus said, I'm sorry. You ready? He would say, I'm sorry, but I am. (laughs) In fact, sometimes just, just kind of walk through John, see how many times Jesus says, I am. There was no doubt to anybody he was talking about who was a Jew. In our understanding, almost a Hasidic Jew that did not know what he's talking about. I am? Whoa. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the way, the truth, the life. Over and over and over again, he declared who he was and is. So this says to me, if I build into my life the idea of God's direction, God's control in my life, God's identity in my life, I'm going to be a better servant, a loving servant, and a strong servant. Now listen to this. I believe, my opinion that people who are in an identity crisis are not very good servants. Why? Because they tend to put all of their energy into figuring out who they are. Last time I was here, I mentioned something. I'm going to mention it again. I mentioned that I believe that many... Of a generation of teens to the early 20s are going through this incredible identity crisis. God has hardwired all of us to, to, to understand who we are, who God created us to be. It's hardwired from, from the garden, you know, at the very beginning in Genesis to this very moment, He's hardwired into who we are. Now, listen because it's hardwired to figure out who we really are, if it doesn't get filled up with truth from God's word, because it is such an amazingly important thing, and you can't live without identity, then you're going to search all over to find out who you are. and you may land on things that you really didn't think you were going to land on. You may land on issues of gender. You may land on, on issues of sexuality. You may land on things that are totally 180 degrees from God's Word. So, parents to you, grandparents to you, part of our job is to rightly understand God's Word so that people might know who they really are. Because when a person knows who they really are, they become very good servants of God. That was free, that wasn't part of the notes let's throw it in there. By the way, let's again cycle back just a little bit. How would you have felt if you were Jesus on this night? Now remember, in hours he's going to die on a cross. In hours he's going to take on the sin of the world, your sin, everyone's sin. Okay? How would you have felt? He knew all that. It says that he knew what's happening. He knew all things. Wouldn't you have had just a little temptation that night to say to your own disciples, okay, guys, I've got a lot going on tomorrow. I've got a lot on my mind. Why don't you take care of me tonight? I deserve it. I've been working hard for three years. I deserve it. A night off. Come on. Did you notice, in fact, a lot of times when you and I get stressed, we got a big day tomorrow, whatever it might be, that serving somebody else goes right out the window. <laughs> I got a big day tomorrow. Sorry. Sorry. Jesus had the biggest day in the cosmos the next day. And why is it in this moment of greatest personal stress that Jesus chose to serve in the greatest way? It blows my mind. Why? Because he knew who he was. He is absolutely convinced and tr- truly absolute security in the Father. It says to me that if I build that kind of security throughout my life in him, I'm going to become the kind of servant that he wants me to be. Because servants are strong. They don't serve out of weakness. You serve out of strength. You choose it. It's a spiritual strength. That's Jesus. Now let me give you a third one. Servants serve imperfect people. Amen? Do I have anything? <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> okay, I, I, I'll take the applause, you know. Wouldn't it be so much easier just to serve perfect people? It, it would be, and when you really think about it. It always, wouldn't it be wonderful if they always gave you the right appreciation? Oh, Bob, <clears throat> way to go. Now, I'm expecting at the door all of you to say, no, 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 I'm not but all the accolades for our service. Even if you're not trying to get praise for yourself, they respond to you. They saw it. Hey, I noticed. Have you ever felt unappreciated? Now, my wife's not here this morning. What? (laughs) That was cheap. (laughs) My wife's not here this morning. And, And there's one thing that I do. And I'm really pretty good at it sometimes. And that's emptying the dishwasher. But when I do it, give me some accolades on that one because that, that's a, that's big. Okay, that's seismic. That's a, that's a real big thing. So true story. She'll be here next time. You, you can ask her, I did that and I did a great job of it. You know, you can do a bad job, but yeah, I did a good job. And she didn't, Say squat. <laughs> so I'm walking around the kitchen and I keep the door down, you know. <laughs> Nothing. I finally, I finally slip out just a little bit, say, hey, hey, hey. got empty, didn't it? And then lovingly, I think. She began to tell me the list of things that she does on an ongoing basis. I am telling you, I felt the weight of the world on my shoulders. I wanted to jump off a cliff. I learned. But here's the motivation. Everybody wants to feel appreciated. Didn't you see what I did? Didn't you see the good thing I did? You know, every, But the problem is, we serve imperfect people... We serve broken people, and guess what? We're broken too. We're in this mess together. That's why this glue of the Spirit of God is so important. Because left to our own design, I'm looking for people all the time hey, say, hey, boy, good job. Well, not Jesus. Not, not Jesus. You know the Lord sees everything, doesn't he? he saw the dishwasher was emptied. Even if nobody else, my helpmate, my dear wife, she didn't see it, but Jesus did. In fact, every cup of cold water that you do for someone else in the name of Jesus, Jesus sees it. In fact, isn't this the way God set up the system? He set up the system to not know your right hand, left hand, left hand, to know what your right hand is doing. Why? Because when you start doing things for the accolades, you ratchet up a relationship more like the Pharisees who love to talk out loud. Look what I'm doing, God. God. Jesus constantly was saying, "Ah, don't be like them." Two key things: He knew who he was. He knew who they were. They were imperfect people. And let me tell you what he did. First of all, he washed the disciples' feet. Now that's obvious, okay? That, that, and and by the way, you do know that that upper room, you know, for the last supper. It wasn't Leonardo da Vinci, you know, saying, hey, if you want to be in the picture, everybody get to this side here and we'll do a selfie. That's not it, okay? They weren't even sitting at a table, right? You know that? They were reclining next to each other, which is icky from my perspective, but that's what they did. And so you had this, this thing, and I believe it was a noisy place. We're all so solemn and so on. listen. They just came off of the triumphant entry when everybody's saying, Hosanna, yay, wow, I think it was noisy and things were going on and all this kind of stuff. It also explains why, how come they didn't all answer? I don't think they all heard everything. John did, because John was probably sitting, in fact we know he was, sitting on Jesus' right. So he's leaned up against Jesus, he heard everything, and that's why it's recorded here. And in the midst of all this, an argument ensues. (laughs) This is so insane. i got to finish this up in four minutes here. This is crazy. But the argument is, who is the greatest servant? Is that nuts? And they missed the opportunity to wash feet. Did you know the disciples every day of their life had somebody or themselves washing their feet. That was what they did, most menial of all tasks. This was not rocket science. And they missed the opportunity. Somebody had to wash the feet. Chuck Swindoll, you know, from a long time ago, some of you don't even know his name, he used to call this a room of proud hearts and dirty feet. And have you ever been in a situation like that, that the longer it goes, the more stubborn everybody gets? I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. And I think that's what a little bit was going on. That night reminds me that the greatest, the greatness is measured by the yardstick of service. And I just, this is, I, I just got let to let you guys know this. It is my belief That this whole John 13, everything that happened there, was an appeal to Judas Iscariot by Jesus. I believe it. It's my opinion. You know why? I'll tell you. Jesus washed everybody's feet. That means he washed Judas Iscariot's feet. The guy who's going to betray him to the cross. And he knows all things, so he knew what was going to happen. He washed his feet anyway. You and I pick and choose who we're going to serve, because this guy's a, a <clears throat> real low life over here. I'm not going to serve him. He did me wrong. Man, if you're looking for an example, look at Jesus. He washed everybody's feet. Secondly, and this will blow you away, John is sitting on his right, but that's not the position of greatness. The host in the Middle East would always seat the most important person in the room to the left of the host. And guess who was sitting there? Yeah, Judas. I don't think he forced himself there. I think he was invited there. This gets really, really incredible. I've shared this before, but I'll share the third thing here. You know what else happened? Jesus all of a sudden says, hey, somebody's going to betray me. One of you are going to betray me. People are saying, oh, not me, not me, not me. Or is it me? Or is it me? Is it me? And then Jesus says, and I think it was probably Peter who prompted John to ask Jesus, well, who is it? And he says, it's the one that I give the morsel to. Well, what's that? In Middle Eastern custom, even to this day, Throughout North Africa, Ethiopia, all over the place, this is custom. If you were there to be in somebody 's home and the host wanted to show how much he loves you, you know what you'd do at the end of the meal, He would move the the roast or whatever the, the meat was, and he would take the sop, which is the bread, and fold it and fold it and fold it into a wad, and then dip it into the juice where the roast was, you know, the good stuff, where the fat, you know, the tasty stuff. And then he would motion for you not to say a word. He'd come up to, to Ed, he'd come up to you, and he'd motion for you to open your mouth. And the host would place it into your mouth. It was the host's way of saying, you are loved, you are important. And that was... Something that Jesus did to Judas Iscariot. He washed his feet, he placed him on the left-hand side, and he gave him the morsel. So when you and I are looking at what a true servant is, yes, you love the people you serve. Yes, it's a position of strength. Yes, it is imperfect people for sure that you're serving. But somehow, in some way, you and I need to lean in To this, the way Jesus described it. Have you ever been betrayed? All of us have. The rest of the story is simply this. The rest of the story tells me in John that at the very end of John 13, Judas leaves. And get this. People don't know why he left. It says in the text that some people thought he was going to go out and give money to the poor. They didn't know. Which also tells me that betrayers are very hard to identify. Jesus knew all things. And yet he served even those who didn't Deserve his service and love so how about you and me I prayed at the beginning that God might might do something that might change your life and perhaps there's a person that has come to your mind that right here right now you make a choice I'm going to lean and I'm going to serve that person They don't deserve it. They never do. But neither do you. And neither do I. So I'm going to pray for you right now as the band comes up. And I'm going to pray that God allows you to literally do exactly that. To lean into that one person that needs your love and service. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you in advance. I thank you for all that you have done in our lives. But right now, specifically, I thank you that you've been speaking to our hearts about one person. Lord, you've surfaced one name in my life. Lord, give me the courage to lean into it, to serve like Jesus. And we'll be careful to thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.